Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. We have a new $30 million a year man. It's not me. I don't think it's Ray Flowers. Ray, Ray, you didn't ink a big contract over the weekend, did you? Wish I did, Kyle, but no, it is not I. No, it's it's neither of us, and I don't think it's anybody out there. Maybe. I don't I don't know. Maybe uh, Warren Buffett is in the crowd today um, here following uh, Fantasy Sports Daily. It's Cody Bellinger. Yeah, that guy. $30 million a year for Cody Bellinger, at least for now. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, signing. Yes, Scott Boris gave in and finally got one of his clients uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Great to have you with us on this Monday. Kyle Offick and Ray Flowers, uh, still poor guys, talking fantasy baseball each and every day from 11 to noonish uh, here. Uh, Ray, how was the weekend for you, buddy? Uh, it was okay. You know, I got to say, um, I actually got an opportunity trying to do everything, right? So you're, you're balancing work and fun and actually got a chance to go to the beach two days. Ooh. So that was nice. Uh, you got some crabs off the boat, some stone crabs and some uh, just regular crab off the boat. Got some uh, sea urchin uh, off the sea boat. Urchin. Sea urchin, otherwise known as uni for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It's got that off the boat too. So uh, it was it was a fun weekend. Uh, kind of chill. What about you? Uh, no sea urchin. Around, around these parts, Ray, it's like crawdads. Yeah. That's that's what you get. Sea urchin, huh? And now when I when I hear that mm-hmm. as a noob, I, I think of like spikes and like crusty mm-hmm. that's and it. hard. Is it so so explain to me what do you do yeah. with sea urchin? So if anyone hasn't seen it, it's basically like a baseball size and it's got the spikes that Kyle's talking about. So you have to be careful if when you touch it, and then you, you crack it open. Uh and it's basically you pretty you've probably seen it if you've ever been to a sushi restaurant. It's almost like it looks kind of like a tongue in the sense that there's a line down the middle with little tentacles kind of on it. And it's, you know, they're usually about an inch, inch and a half long. Very tender, very salty, very briny, if you will. Uh, it's a delicacy if you get the right kind, you know, in sushi. It could be 25 30 bucks for two pieces of it. So wow. we were able to get it off the boat for much less than that. But, yeah, it's you, you described it properly, but that's not – the inside is very soft compared to the hard exterior. It, it, do you then throw it back in or has the sea urchin been exhausted whenever you get the flesh or whatever you're eating? It's been exhausted, yeah. Okay. So it's it's a, it's a one-time only, unfortunately, the, the sea urchin uh, – Passed away to go into my belly. <laughs> Ray Flowers, killing sea urchins. <laughs> we are happy to have you with us on this Monday. Uh, getting closer to the start of baseball because, hey, we had spring training action over the weekend. If you weren't busy uh, hunting down sea urchin, maybe you got to watch some games in uh, Florida or Arizona. I, I find I only get to watch them when they do replays like Saturday night and Sunday night whenever I'm kind of uh, lounging around the house, which it always throws the mind off whenever you're watching daytime baseball and it's like 830 at mm-hmm. night uh right. but it's spring training it's something that you just have to deal with um i guess the good news is we made it through the first set of games and nothing severe no big injuries that we know of uh but still plenty of news to talk about and we will cover it all today here at fsd big thank you to everybody joining us uh, via youtube via the facebook page certainly if you're on x if you download the uh, podcast great to have you on board okay here is the game plan for today we start with that news of cody bellinger Heading back to the north side, we'll uh, check in on some early spring storylines. We will continue our positional previews. Um, All this week, we are tackling the outfield spot, which 
Ray, it's always kind of frustrating to discuss outfielders because there are leagues with three, leagues with four, leagues with five. Um, I, I know you prefer five. I prefer five. But I find so many leagues don't go to five outfielders in their starting lineup. Yeah, they don't. And it's really interesting, too, because a lot of the leagues that do three do left, center, and right field, which is it makes it extremely tough. Like, you hear three sometimes, you think, oh, that's easier than five, and in theory it is. But if you've got the lefty center right field thing, that adds another level of concern. But yeah, just for the people that are new to this or the people that aren't aware, the standard for you know playing fantasy baseball is 14 hitters, two catchers, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, UT, middle infield, corner infielder, and five outfielders, not three. I have never been, Ray, I don't think, in a left field, center field, right field league. I don't believe I, I don't maybe think I back. I, I may have been back in like the late nineties. There, there used to be a site called Sandbox mm-hmm. that you could play at, and they might emerge with Yahoo at some point. I don't know, um, but I feel like maybe they kind of had left field, center field, and right field. So maybe I participated then. But other than that, it's it's a foreign beast to me. But uh, we will delve into outfielders. Uh, give you a rundown of the best of the best from last season. Oh yeah, it is Ronald Acuna uh, by a mile was the best outfielder last season, Uh, but plenty of other talented pieces to go around. Also, our one big question today, uh, we'll deal with one of Ray's favorite topics over the last two or three years, Fernando Tatis. You know, where do we stand now? He pretty well had a full season and it looked good. He's now an outfielder, not messing around at shortstop. So we will talk about Tatis and his outlook. Speaking of outlooks, the Houston Astros are our team of the day. Uh, Ray will talk ideal age slash performance for starting pitchers. And Ray insisted on a little NFL combine news. So we will uh, tell him and tell you that a lot of the big names aren't really interested in the combine. So Ray, everybody's coming around to your side of thinking. They, they don't want to be at the combine either, either just, just like you have ignored it uh, for, for probably well over a decade. Yeah, they're going to go there and either disappoint or pull a hamstring. So why, <laughs> you know, why do it? Uh, yeah, a couple of the big the quarterbacks oftentimes, you know, they do their their pro day and such. But uh, seeing a top-end wide receiver who people think is a generational talent not doing that, pretty surprising, though, I will say. Don't we have enough film on these guys, Kyle? Do yeah. we really need them running around in their underwear to determine whether they're good football players or not? I don't know. Quite simply, there's nothing to really gain. No. If you're Marvin Harrison Jr., um, if you're Caleb Williams, you can only go down. So the more you hide, the better it is come draft day. Um, Also, some news on T. Higgins, NFL salary cap. We'll hit it all over the next hour or so. Uh, Ray, most importantly, let's hit the uh, discounts. Let's hit the the deals, if you will, over at Fantasy Guru. The big one, of course, is the draft guide uh, that people need to take advantage of the offer as uh, slowly February starts to turn into March. That is correct, Kyle. I'll throw it up on the screen for those people that want to take a look at it as we talk about it. FSD20, FSD20 is the promo code, get you 20% off the current price. It's the early bird price. Again, I don't know when it's going to go up. It will go up at some point here as we get closer to opening day. Get in now, use the promo code FSD20, drops it down to $40, full season, all the articles, Discord, all the rankings, everything, not just the preseason, for the entire season. And then we still got our all-in package. The NBA all-in package includes NBA, NHL. These are all together in one package. NBA, NHL college basketball, PGA, MMA, soccer, and racing. All of those sports, all the betting for all those sports, all the DFS for all those sports. That's only $75 right now. So you can get all of that if you want to get involved in everything else. If you want the baseball package, go to the website, join now, tab top right, use that promo code FSD20. 
Okay, so let me do some quick math here, Ray. $30 million mm-hmm. divided by 40 bucks. Right. Cody Bellinger could buy 750,000 subscriptions. That, that'd make for a good year for, for Ray Flowers, right? You get a kickback on 750,000 subscriptions, right? I don't think that's actually written in my contract, but if, <laughs> if the number got that high, you bet your ass I'd be getting a kickback for it, Kyle. Yes. <laughs> Cody Bellinger can now afford 750,000 <laughs> of Ray Flowers' draft. You better write good things about him. You better write a lot more, too, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the news with Bellinger going to the Cubs. And, you know, Ray, I, I, I guess it's still the case that, you know, this changes about every eight to 10 years of, oh, 10 million is a lot of money for a baseball player. Oh, 20 million is a lot. 30 million as of now. I think that's like, okay, that's reserved for the best of the best. So Cody Bellinger signs a contract. He's back with Chicago, the same team. He played on a one-year deal last season. And I will say right up front, Ray, last season, Probably deserves $30 million a year. I mean, it was a, a, a fantastic all-around season with, with a guy that hit over 300, played infield and outfield, 20-20, 90-plus ribbies, 90-plus runs. I mean, what more could you really ask for? He, I guess the question is, Ray, and you can kind of see it in the contract, it's not a long contract. Right. Uh, there are opt-outs on the Bellinger side that he can leave money on the table. If he has another one of these years, maybe he'll convince people even further. Uh, but he's now going to make $30 million for this year. On the whole, it measures out to three years, $80 million. But as noted, uh, the opt-outs are there for Bellinger. So it's still, it's not a prove-it deal, Ray, because he's got the money. He, you know, he can stay in Chicago and still rake in all of the money. Uh, but this is kind of a meeting of the minds, if you will, between the Cubs, Bellinger, and Scott Boris to make it work, I guess, from all sides. Yeah, he turns 29 in July, too. So he finishes his contract. Theoretically, he'll be in his, what, 31 or whatever. He can get another huge contract, another five, six-year deal at that point in time if he earns it. I think that Bellinger is, and everyone knows this. I'm not breaking ground here on the show. He is a fascinating player to look at on the field. He's a fascinating player to break down analytically. Uh, he is someone that you and I have discussed for years. He's a tinkerer. One time his hands are here, then they're here, then they're here, then they're here. His legs are feet. He's all over the place. And you can you can see in his production that same volatility. Some years there's power. Some years there's batting average. Some years he's stealing bases. Like it's all over the place. And I think that's part of the problem too, Kyle. And we can talk about the advanced analytics that we didn't have 25 years ago that also point out that as great as he was last year and he was fantastic, it's just not reasonable looking at what we saw last season to expect him to do all of that again. You know, David in the chat room already kind of wondering how many years do we think Bellinger will play? Uh, Ray, I, I still look at those numbers you just referenced, and I say what he showed advanced-wise didn't show up in the final numbers. Most people only compare about the final numbers. Mm-hmm. His were good. Mm-hmm. The advanced numbers were not so good. I say all this leading up to answering David's question. I, I, I'm going to say he plays two years, Ray. Okay. He'll get the thirty million each year because the the final year I think drops to twenty million. He's out of there. Like if he just it, even if he only has one of two, and I kind of worry Ray if both years will be good. You know, I mm-hmm. it, it was good last year, and and he was a guy on draft day last year. He could get kind of for a bargain. I mean, really for a bargain. I I don't mind having him on my fantasy team this year, but I don't think I'm sensing a repeat of those numbers. Like he he may do the homers and steals. I could see him, you know, 25, 20, you know, 2020 again. 
Um, I, I think the other numbers might be down just slightly. Um, and I guess most notably, you worry about the batting average with him because mm-hmm. that's a thing, right? 300 pops nowadays. But he's a guy who can fall into big slumps. He's a guy with a ton of swing and miss. To me, he's just not a 300 hitter. He he hasn't shown, sure, we've seen it, what, twice in his career that he's had these magical years. Mm-hmm. But we've got a lot of other years where he's not near a 300 hitter. He was great as a rookie. He was good as a second-year player. He was fantastic as a third-year player. I mean, he went 40-15. Yeah. He was fantastic that year, right? And that was like everyone saying, okay, we know the talent's there. We've seen it. Let's do it again. And what did he do? Nothing. The next three years, and that includes the COVID year, but the next three years, his OPS was 648. That's Nick Ahmed or something. Like, that's horrible, <laughs> right? I just said him because he signed with the Giants this morning for those people that didn't see. Woo-hoo! Good job, Giants. Yeah. Big move by the Giants, yeah. <laughs> 648 over three years. And remember, in that breakout season, it's 1,035. He almost lost 400 points Ooh. over three years. Last year was back up at the 881 mark, but – we both said it, let's put a point on it, that their volatility has been there. Last year, the numbers were great. But when you look at his numbers, and we have StatCast now, which, again, we didn't have years ago. If you look at the StatCast data, he never his exit velocity was a career low last season. His barrel rate was a career low last season. His hard hit rate was a career low last season. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a guy that's hitting 200 some years. And he set across the board career lows. And then you start looking at the expected numbers. The expected batting average was 270. He hit 307. The expected slugging percentage was 437. The mark was 525. If the batted ball information that we can all lean on nowadays, if that means anything, it tells you point blank right to your face, Cody Bellinger did not deserve the numbers he posted last season. Yeah. Um, is he worth the risk, though, Ray? Because I, I I said earlier I wouldn't mind having him, but he's still a pretty risky guy. I'm not searching out Cody Bellinger. I'm not drafting him this year as to, hey, I'm going to get 90% of, of what he did last season. It's it, He is a guy, and maybe this contract works for him, Ray, because this contract still leaves, hey, if you're really good this year, you can bail out and maybe get a six-year deal next year. Mm-hmm. Like There's still that attraction to Cody Bellinger of I can make good on this, I, I think when you talk about those three years where he fell in the toilet, it's like a mental approach. It's like, a you know, he falls into that slump and it takes him a while to get out of it. It takes a whole year maybe to get out of it. Uh, the fresh start in Chicago might have been a, a beautiful thing for him to get away from L.A. to get out of that Dodgers organization just because they had turned to a spot, Ray, where he was supposed to be Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. You know, after those first three years, he was going to be their centerpiece. Um, and that didn't happen. And then it kind of piled on and, and things just kept occurring. The fresh start in Chicago obviously did him wonders, but I still think this is a guy that is going to be prone to big slumps. And Lassie, I I just can't look at him and and see that 300 average repeating. The steals and homers, sure, he can do that at Wrigley. It's all the other stuff. To me, he's he's a guy I'll take, but he's not a guy I'm seeking out this year. I think ultimately, and I had a back and forth with somebody in the Discord over the weekend about him. Just to be clear, I don't love Cody Bellinger, and I think his odds of repeating last year are about zero. Really? Zero? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much zero. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't have a good season. I think it really comes down to, in the fantasy space, does he still 19 bases or nine? Like, we talk about this all the time. Like, is it is his back going to – is he going to hit 300 again? He's not hitting 300 yet, right? He did have a better two-strike approach. David P. mentioned this in the Discord. He had a good two-strike approach, but look at his K totals every year. They're up, down, up, down, up. It's all They're all over the place, okay? 
He's not a 300 hitter. In fact, if you look at projection models, they're all say about 260, yeah. which is significantly different. So if he's 260, 25, 85, 85, and that steal number is nine, yeah. if it's 19, okay, right? So I think that he has to play every day. The last time he played 150 games was back in 2019. It's been a while. I think he has to play every day, and I think ultimately all the numbers regress compared to last year's price points. And the expectation, Ray, he's pretty well going to be the the outfielder, center fielder for the uh, Chicago Cubs. You know, they're going to try, you know, a handful of guys at first base to see if they can kind of mix and match. Uh, does he have first base? I think he does, he does. have first base eligibility. He, he, he had a lot of games where he would show up in the seventh or eighth inning. They'd move him to first. So. Yeah, 84 in the outfield, 59 at first base. Yeah, 59. So he's he's totally set there. I, I would suggest, you know, the outfield number is probably around 130 this year. You know, in, in the first base, he may still carry that over next year, but I, that that is a bonus to his fantasy value. That outfield infield uh, eligibility—it's always a big hit. And, and you know, if he's putting up those numbers, that's another feature. Those numbers last year with an outfield first base eligibility guy—beautiful. You know, that's good at first base. That's good in the outfield. It's awesome as a infielder. You know, if you're in daily leagues, being able to shift him around and take advantage of of your bench and guys going to Colorado—those are great things to have with Cody Bellinger. I mentioned that uh, he probably will be uh, stationed for the most part in center field this year for the Cubs. That leads us to our uh, positional preview. Uh, this week, we are talking all things outfielders. So a lot of guys that we can discuss here. Bellinger, we obviously gave the breakdown. We should note that year, how good was it? If you look at the top 12 performers last year, according to uh, Razball and kind of the way they compute dollars earned, Ray, he was number seven. Mm -hmm. Cody Bellinger was uh, $29.30, if you will. Uh, but again, a far cry from the guy at the top. I I, I should have looked this up historically because they do keep historical numbers, mm -hmm. Ray. But the number they showed for Acuna last year, $71.50 is <laughs> what he was worth. I've seen 73 at some of the sites. Too. Yeah. We always sit there at like labor and tout wars auctions, Ray. And over the years, many, many years, you have superstars every year. and Oh, Mike Trout, nobody's going to spend 50, and they always mm -hmm. would. We'd say, right. well, you get the, you know, you spend the 50, he's going to earn you 42. You know, you'll take that loss because 42 is an all star MVP, right? I mean, if you're at an auction, what's reasonable for Acuna to go for? I mean, is it stupid if somebody goes to 60 for Ron <laughs> Acuna? Yes. <laughs> Just but stupid. I would have said the same thing last year, right? And then you would have yeah. got it. And this is, we're at that season where a lot of people are asking the, the, the you know, keeper questions. And it's like, well, do I pay for this? And, then, you know, do you pay for a player? Do you pay a price point for a player? And I'm looking at the Razzball right now, Kyle. According to them, it's the greatest fantasy season of all time. Really? Wow. Yeah. Number two was Honus Wagner in 1908. Ty Cobb in, <laughs> Ty Cobb in 1909. Babe Ruth in 1921. So it was the best year in 115 years. Yeah. 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 Um, there, it, it's... So, so Ray, okay, Ray and Kyle, he was $70 last year, let's call it. Why can't I bid 60 this year? Because that, that's pullback everywhere. Are you really going to do that? Because Look at that odd... list, Ray. Do you have a, that list in yeah. front of you? How many yeah. guys have earned $60 in a year? In the Over history court. of baseball, there have been 14 seasons. Yeah. And this is going back to 1900. 14 seasons of 60. Uh, Babe Ruth, when he you know had 60 home runs and hit more home runs than other teams, was under $60, right? So. Mm. The real, the real thing, the real issue with with Acuna is everything was basically maxed out last year. I think the only number last year really that you should be expecting a potential increase is the RBI column. But if he's hitting at the top of the order, I mean, 
100 RBIs is, you know, it's Darren Erstad territory. 149 runs is a massive number. 40 plus home runs, 337, 73 steals. Like the issue is he's completely maxed out, Kyle. He played 159, 162 games last year. He plays really hard. You know, so there's certainly a chance he plays 150 games this year, that kind of thing. I think that even, and that's the question, really. Are you going to spend $55 to get a $55 season from him, right? Is it worth spending that much of your budget to get that return? I don't know if the answer is yes for everyone. For some people, for sure. Other people, it depends. You and I will be uh, covering labor and tout wars. Those are the industry expert leagues over the next few weeks. He'll go for 50 to 55, I think, in all those leagues, don't you think, Ray? I mean, in mixed leagues, I mean, in hell, right. in NL only, I don't want to say he won't get the 60. I, I, Again, I wouldn't do it. Ray wouldn't do it. But, Ray, there are always people in that room uh, that are willing to go crazy on a guy like Acuna. We've seen that in years past, that that, that is what people like to do is to get that big gun, kind of, you know, say, I'll, I'll spend 55 bucks. I, I think the low 50s are, are going to be a spot for people getting ready for auction leagues on a 260 budget. If you really want Ronald Acuna, I think you're going into the low 50s. At FantasyGuru.com right now in our rankings, which again are part of the preseason package, but the package goes into the regular season. I update the rankings the first of every month. Use that promo code FSD20. Right now in a mixed auction, I've got Acuna as the number one guy at $48 and an L only the number one guy at $50. I'm not going past that. Yeah. Because again, will, will people go past that? It's very, very possible they do. But remember, again, history says he's obviously not repeating what he did last year. I think logic says that, too. I mean, it's one of those things I never hear mentioned because, you know, he's so amazing. His launch angle was 7% last year. Like, I don't know how – it's almost impossible to hit – this is the Vladimir Guerrero thing. It's almost impossible to hit 40 home runs with a 7% launch angle. Like, come on. And is he going to steal 73 paces again? It's a massive number. He ran 87 times last year. Like, any kind of tweak in an ankle or a hamstring – and that 73 becomes 50 real quick. And then we start pulling back to the pack. I see in the chat room, Anthony has a Cunha for $42 and a keeper. Oh, yeah. And it's a $360. That's a steal there. <laughs> sign you up for that one. Yeah, yeah. you can sign up for that one. Uh, rest of the top 12. And again, Acuna at the top by far last season. Mookie Betts, just to put it in perspective, was number two. He was $30 less of earned money. So you got Acuna at 71 and a half, bets at 41 and a half. Corbin Carroll, 38-1. Julio Rodriguez, and, and I was kind of surprised by this, right? Because Rodriguez was not much of a player for the first three months last year. Like even, like he made the All-Star game because it was in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they deserved to be there, but he tore it up down the stretch. 36-7, he was number four overall. Kyle Tucker, it's always still a surprise. Kyle Tucker, is that good? Yeah, he is uh, because of the power speed component. Uh, 34-8. Juan Soto, 29-5. That might surprise people. Bellinger, Adelis Garcia, Luis Robert. Here's the big one, Ray. Lane Thomas of Washington. We'll talk about him later in the week when we hit on surprises. Christian Yelich. I have been anti-Yelich for three years. I totally swung and missed last year. He was $24. And even Nick Castellanos, 22-3. Those last three names, Ray. Thomas, Yelich, and Castellanos, they don't get the recognition as upper-end outfielders of last season, do they? They don't. Thomas is hard to expect a full repeat from. We'll talk about him later in the week. Castellanos, he plays every day, right? That's his thing. He just plays it. doesn't do anything sexy. In the case of Yelich, he doesn't do anything sexy either, but he runs, which is nice because Castellanos doesn't do that. And every – I mean, 
I've been a Christian Yelich guy since like his first season, like legit. And we saw really good stuff, then greatness, then uh, that he's kind of leveled off as just being better than people think. Uh-huh. And they're, they're always, he's in and out of the lineup and there's health issues. So the days of playing 155 games, you know, they're gone. But he's still really good, and he, he plays enough, and he does enough across the board that, as you're talking about, he's still a potential outfielder one. I, I had Yelich in a, a keeper league for a while, and and he became frustrating. We were talking about Bellinger and the lack of, like, oh, he's not hitting the – I got that way with Yelich. It's like ground ball after ground ball, and he wasn't stinging the baseball. And then you have a back injury. I'm like, this is this is going – but last season, he hit the brakes on that uh, downfall and, uh, again, finished as a top-12 outfielder. So those are the best of the best from last year. And, again, we'll talk about a lot of these guys as we go through the week. Uh, leaders in each category, Acuna, 337 on the average. Kyle Schwarber led all outfielders with 47 homers. Kyle Tucker, 112 ribbies. Acuna, 149 runs. That'll knock you. Oh, 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 73 steals, too. Ray, what's more difficult? Getting to 149 runs again or 73 steals again? Runs. You think? think, Yeah. What do you think? I mean, either number. I don't think you read either, but I'd say runs. I'd say runs, too. And, and again, the runs, he doesn't really have control over. He does to an extent. He steals second. You know, he's he's got control that way. Uh, But you're relying on it. And they got a great team behind them, you know, when you throw up all those bats and everything. But the runs are actually maybe the the wildest there. Um, A guy who did not finish in the top 12, but a guy who is being drafted as a top 12 outfielder this year leads us to our one big question for outfielders. Um, It is a name, Ray, that for the past five years, you and I have talked about this guy a ton. He's always given us something to talk about. This year, I kind of feel like, Ray, he's faded. You know, it's like, ah, you know, that was a fun discussion in 2021 and in 2022. Oh, in 2023, even that. But now, Ray, I feel like this guy, Fernando Tatis Jr., is is uh, not getting the attention that that he seems to have always generated when it comes to fantasy circles. And, and people would love him. People may hate him. People may say, oh, there's too many issues off the field, the attitude, whatever. Everybody seems to have an opinion on this guy. Yours has usually been, man, we got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Let's see it. Come on. Stop being a knucklehead. You know, the injuries, all that. Last year, Ray, I guess we can say he was mostly healthy. Not great, but mostly healthy. Over 140 games. Do you still look at him and say, dangerous? Or did he kind of turn a corner for you last season? It's really tough because if you're going to tell me you have to spend $55 for Acuna or $32 for Tatis, like, don't you just get Tatis? I mean, I he would he, the the problem for Tatis is the off the field stuff obviously and that can't be glossed over it basically cost him an entire year all the off the field stuff and as good as he was last year it wasn't as good as he was his first 3 seasons mm-hmm. you know the numbers look good cuz he played the most games he had the most played appearances the kind, the kind of thing but all the numbers really pulled back let's not forget i mean he had 42 home runs in 2021 only had 25 last year. That's a big gap, right? His batting average fell almost 30 points or 25 points. That's a big gap. So I think that I feel more confident in Tatis now than I did two a year ago, right? But there's still that little thing in the back of my head, Kyle. Like, am I going to really go nuts here if it's $38, $40? Like, am I going to push things with Tatis? Probably not. Like, just give me Mookie Betts. That's me, right? Mm-hmm. But if someone could go... Ron Acuna this year, 
Acuna, excuse me, Tatis is one of the few guys that you could actually mention and say something like that's possible from this guy. He's he's a definitive first round pick. I mean, right now he's going top ten almost everywhere. He's a dangerous first round pick, Ray. And and I I think that's if I could get him in the and this may sound like you're splitting hairs, mm-hmm. but Ray to me it's just like I feel so much better if I got a Betts or a Tucker or a Freeman, mm-hmm. I even a Soto I feel. I think Tatis is a lot like Aaron Judge here, Ray, where I'm Judge has got this toe thing and it's going to be with him. We talked a lot about it last week. And with Tatis, Ray, it's not like there's any one thing, but I just think he's such a volatile player. Like it could absolutely blow up in your face. Whereas with those other guys I mentioned, I don't see like, oh, this is the, it, it becomes a big fat zero. I, I don't see, obviously that can happen with any draft pick. It can, but Tatis, I just think his risk, is way higher than some of those other names I mentioned. Yeah. And you know, that's something that, you know, you're, it's funny to look at it this way, but you're a risk until you're not. And and so they always, it's the same argument we always have from people. Well, you can't predict injuries. I can't, I can't predict that Tatis is going to do something stupid away from the field either. Can't, but there's been injuries and he's done stupid things away from the field. So it's like, you know, he's only 25 and you know, would I, what, and I'll say this, would I be stunned if he played a full season of games, if he went 40-40? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be stunned. Would I expect it? Of course not. But I wouldn't be stunned. I think that 30-30 is really within his wheelhouse here. Mm-hmm. Now, the, <coughs> excuse me, the real issue is can he stay on the field as we're still, he played under 41 games last year. Does that erase everything else? Eh, I'm with you. I don't fully say that. And secondly, you know, when you hit, even in today's game, right, when everyone's hitting 248 or whatever, Bad 257 from a first-round pick, that sucks. <laughs> you know, and that's what he hit last year, right? Now, if he's hitting 280, which is his career number, okay. But 257, that's rough, Kyle, from a first-round pick. One other thing to keep in mind with him, and this is for anybody drafting him in the first round, and again, that's where he's going. His role is probably a bit different with the Padres this year. Um, the expectations are leadoff hitter, which on the plus side, Ray – that still leads to stolen bases, played attend, uh, played appearances, all that. On the negative side, you know, this guy can't hit 30 home runs. You ain't getting ribbies out of that leadoff spot. You certainly aren't doing it with the Padres. The back end of that order is, is pretty empty. Last season, Ray, he hit second on almost a two-to-one basis versus leading off, because he did lead off 45 games. And to his credit, Ray, his numbers were drastically overall better as a leadoff guy. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, that's a who knows. We can sit here till the cows come home talking about, you know, a guy's perspective and attitude where he's at in the order. But one thing that is undeniable, Ray, um, as a leadoff hitter, his on base percentage was 356. Hitting second was 306. So he was on base a lot as a leadoff hitter. But with all the success, the hits, the steals, Ray, he still only drove in 24 runners in, in those opportunities. And honestly, even as a second hitter, he wasn't driving in a lot of runs. And, and so I wonder, Ray, you know, maybe the average gets to 270. Maybe the home runs get to 30. Maybe the steals get to 30. If he's leading off a vast majority of this season, I don't think the ribbies are getting above 75 or 80. Like in, And that could be pushing it. So that, that's another number, Ray. I think people think of him as a middle-of-the-order bat who can drive in 100. Right. I, 
you know, I, I don't think he's going to be that with the Padres leading off. I, I think that RBI total everybody should should understand you're hoping for 75 to 80 ribbies this year. And that's part of the reason why I said we need this guy to hit 287. If he's hitting 257, we got a problem because mm-hmm. we need to we need to find that value somewhere. And, you know, he wasn't full Cody Bellinger last year because Bellinger did it and the underlying metrics were kind of concerned. He didn't really do it last year, Tatis. I mean, look at the numbers. He walked less than normal. He did strike out less, but he walked less than we're, we're used to seeing with him. He had a, he had a four-year low in batting average. He had a four-year low in on-base percentage. He had a four-year low in slugging percentage. He had a four-year low in OPS. Had a four-year low in isolated power. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's – so was that because he missed 2022? Was that because he wore down a little bit because he played more? I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I, what I can tell you is that he's kind of – he he's so dynamic physically that as I said, 40-40 is doable. 30-30 if he plays all season long, probably happens. Like he's so dynamic physically that you can overlook some of these other things, but there is added risk for all the reasons we're talking about, especially that batting average category. Because again, 265 in your first round pick, yeah. that's just you know, he he needs to go 30-30 if he's doing that, because I agree with you. I don't think the RBI column is going to be hot, very high if he's batting at that leadoff spot. Yeah, I'm looking at the rest of these guys, you know. Bobby Witt Jr., I guess, could fall. He could hit that, you know. But most of these guys, and not that they're going to hit 300, but you feel good about 280 or so. You know, Tucker, Betts, Carroll, Freeman, Rodriguez. Soto could be down, but he's on the back end of the first round. And so, you know, there are other guys with pockmarks, okay? We're not just picking on Fernando Tatis. But I think that average is one. But I think people know that. I just wanted to point out the ribby thing could be different. Because, again, people, they think Tatis, like, you look at all these other guys, they're all hitting in the, you know, two, three, four kind of thing. And maybe you think, well, hitting first isn't that dramatic of a departure. It, it actually can be sure. versus hitting third yeah. versus yeah. hitting fourth. Not in terms of what kind of player you are, but in terms of the raw numbers you're getting, which we all care about raw numbers. So, just understand that with Tatis. So that is our one big question today in the outfield. Tomorrow, uh, maybe we'll call it the Lane Thomas special. We'll take a look at some surprises from last season and see what the repeatability is in 2024. Ray, let's move to the Houston Astros. Let us get our team preview for this Monday. Talking about uh, the, the uh, what is it, seven times? Like seven times in a row they've been in the ALCS, which is mind-blowing. Like, even dynasties <laughs> don't get to the Final Four seven straight years. Uh, they've got two World Series titles in that span. And, you know, people can uh, moan and complain about uh, tanking and building for the future. You look at the Astros, Ray. It's worked like a charm. Yeah. And Ten years ago, that was the worst team in baseball. And they were losing 110 games. And I remember the the uh, TV ratings. Remember that? Like, they didn't even register. Like they were pulling a 0.0 for like a while. Very different. And and Ray, maybe we're at the end of this greatness, but let's understand the greatness that this organization has put forth. So they're still near the top. They're still probably a favorite in the American League or one of the top two or three favorites. Uh, we begin with our player profile. And Ray, this is a pitching staff that continues to be strong, continues to have talent. Uh, Justin Verlander, it looks like the shoulder's doing okay. Not great, but okay. Christian Javier, um, you look at it, and and I love your question right there in the middle of the page. What happened? Because, Ray, the numbers really took a nosedive from 2022 to 2023 with the right-hander. Do you like what happened to my spelling there for we up? 
Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yep. I see it now. Yeah, his, his whip went up. Whip. Yep. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that in it, he's a fascinating case because I have I have Javier in a keeper league, and there's rounds associated. So I actually had him as a 14th round keeper last year, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. Uh, and you know, it was passable, mm-hmm. but that's not what he was drafted to be. That's not what the expectation was. And I think the biggest concern is obvious. He had a 31% strikeout rate in 2021. He had a 33% strikeout rate in 2022. This is a dynamic strikeout guy. Last year, it was league average at 23%. Mm. And what basically happened is Javier lost his fastball. And because of his release point and the movement of his pitches and everything like that, he lost his release point. He lost uh, some altitude on his release point. So everything started leveling out, flattening out. He didn't get as much carry as he, he used to get. Uh, the fastball became straight. And, you know, in baseball, even if you throw 95, if your fastball straight, you got a problem. And so it, I think it was mostly mechanical with him. Now, the concern, obviously, is that he went from being a dominant force to just a guy. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's only played four years in the bigs, only 26. He's still got the same arm. Like, you know, this could be one of those players that, depending on where you draft them, could earn you a nice return on your investment. But last year was rough, pal. I think what's crazy, Ray, is you never see three strikeouts disappear per nine from yeah. one year to the next. So, you know, 11 7, maybe it falls to 10 5, and then it falls to 9 8. You know, eventually you make your way to 8-8. To see it in one fell swoop is alarming. I was just looking at ADP. He's right next to Shane Bieber. You know, that's another guy who fell off a cliff with strikeouts. And and I just wonder, Ray, what are the – what's history say about getting that number back? I may, Maybe there are – because he was a double-digit guy. When you're 11-7, mm-hmm. there is nobody expecting you to be below 10 the following year. Right. Like 11-7 shows, man, you got some nasty stuff and, and you know how to do it. You can't really fluke your way over a course of a season to 11-7. You know, I don't think you can. And, and Ray, I wonder if this is a fluke on the other end at 8-8. I, I generally say no. When I see this kind of fall off, Ray, I, I worry about. Now, you you said, hey, maybe it's mechanical, mm-hmm. flat fastball, all that. You may be 100% right. I always worry when it's like, dude, you had the whole year to fix this. You were out there for 31 starts. Right. Like. It, it, it wasn't like you missed two months, came back. You, and I just wonder, to me, Ray, he's not really a guy I'm interested in at all this year because I just see too much falling off there to say, oh, that was a blip of 31 starts. That is, I mean, of the games he started in his career, it's like 45% of his starts that he showed last year. That's So I, I, I'm pretty hesitant with him. And I think it's just because of that dramatic craving, caving, I should say, of the K rate. I just, if he gets something back rate, maybe you're at nine, six, nine, seven, but gosh, it would be shocking to see him go back into double digits after, after falling three strikeouts per nine, then he jumps another 2.2 or whatever this year. Yeah. In 2021 during the COVID year or the year after the COVID year, he started and relieved kind of did both strikeout mm-hmm. rate. That was 11, six for nine. Mm-hmm. So it was basically the same as it was uh, two years ago. Um, he didn't lose, he lost like a mile an hour in velocity. And again, I'm attributing that not to ill health. I'm attributing that to the mechanics as well. But, you know, he is one of those pitchers, and we see a lot of them nowadays. There's a lot of news and a lot of reports uh, about Hunter Green trying to add a splitter and trying to add things. We talked a lot in the preseason last year about Justin Steele, the fact yeah. that these two pitch guys, right? Javier's kind of a two pitch guy. He throws his fastball slider 90% of the time. And if either your slider or your fastball 
loses location or some component of stuff, you're in trouble because you, you don't have a pivot. If the batter doesn't fear your fastball, he sits on a slider or doesn't fear your slider, sits on the fastball, you know, makes the bat much easier. So that is also something with Javier. It's different when you're working out of the bullpen and he's pumping those two pitches in, right? Versus trying to get through a lineup three times. Uh, I, I'm I'm absolutely expecting him to be better than he was last season. But to your point, am I anticipating the strikeouts going back to the roof and him challenging for the, the lead among starting pitchers? I can't go that far. His profiling closing grade is one that you traditionally kind of dig, you know, because the guy who has shown he's good and then had a bad season, so everybody has that recency bias. I mean, you did this, uh, well, I guess one of the recent examples, I know last year you were drafting Jose Barrios everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, because he'd shown he was really bad in 2022. You expected rebounding. It came true. Is Javier kind of sliding into that spot for you this year? The problem, I, I'm going to say no. I'm not going to avoid him. But I'm going to say no to your question because the, the the problem that I see, even if he shows return somewhat to where he was previously, we have a guy who in his career has got a 54% fly ball rate, which mm-hmm. is scary for the, for the home runs. And there are guys that live in this zone, guys that have games like this. Justin Verlander's had game, you know seasons near this. You know, Garrett Cole's had like, okay, but – when you start talking about a player in, in Javier as well, whose home run to fly ball ratio is like 35% below the league average the last two years, 9% the last two years, there's likely some regression there. So that ERA, he could pitch better. And instead of the ERA being 3.8, the ERA could still be 4.2 because mm-hmm. of the home run situation. So again, to answer your question, I'm not targeting Javier. I wouldn't mind drafting him, but I'm not targeting him this year. Moving uh, from our player profile there of Javier, let's get to uh, four questions for the Houston Astros. Um, number one, and Ray, this kind of piggybacks on Fernando Tatis. It's sounding like I know over the weekend, Jordan Alvarez hitting second. Does that does that change any outlook for Alvarez hitting number two in this lineup? For me, the number that matters above all else with Jordan Alvarez is the number that ends up in the column with G. Games. How many games yeah. is this guy playing? That's Whether he's hitting second or third, I you know. I, he needs to play because he is fantastic offensively. This is a guy who can win MVP awards. He's that good offensively. He's got to play. I think getting the more plate appearances, I love hearing that. And, you know, Altuve, Tucker, Alvarez, Bregman, like this is a really good core on the offensive side of things. So I think uh, you know, give, me, give me the extra plate appearances and I'll worry about losing 10 RBIs here or there. I agree with you. Uh, number two, chancing it with Justin Verlander. You know, the, the early days of spring, Ray, they've uh, been taking it slow with Verlander. There's no push to get him out there for, you know, two innings. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of side work. It's uh, maybe, you know, games on the backfields, whatever. Um, opening day, who knows? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we got a good read. Are you chancing it with a guy now uh, deep into it? Well, I shouldn't say deep into his 40s, but certainly into his 40s at this juncture. Well, if we're talking strikeout rates, his last four years, 12.1, 10.5, 9.5, 8.0. No. At the start of the rankings at FantasyGuru.com, he was like 12, 15 spots above where he is now. I just – this information's coming out. I'm hearing what he's saying. I'm t- there's It's just not right. And it's not concerning, but it's just not right. And the more of this we get, the harder it becomes – for me to think he's going to throw 170 innings with a you know three three ERA, so no. Number three, who wants a catcher with an 850 OPS? Um, that's what Yanar Diaz did last year in about 100 games. I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, Ray. He didn't. Um, you know, pe- these people talked about him leading up to this moment with the Astros. 
but um, I think it was probably better than most anybody expected. I mean, 23 home runs in 104 games. Are you kidding? I mean, that's like, that's Aaron Judge like, frankly. I mean, it's kind of to that level um, almost. You sold on this or, or Ray, do you think we're getting carried away with 100 games of him? Getting carried away. Um, he had a 620 OPS against left-handed pitching, did not hit left-handed pitching at all, which is a concern. Uh, the numbers, like you said, were fantastic last year. And you know me, there's also part of this. Dude has no idea what a walk is. Like, he doesn't understand four balls. Like, unless he's catching, he doesn't understand what that means. He walked 11 times last year. And, you know, more power to you. But if you're hacking like that, you're not hitting 280. He's, he could he could have that same season and hit 260 this year, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, question four, and, and I bring this up for anybody who maybe uh, thinks they're not respected at work. Um, how would it feel? to be a guy who in the last three years has totaled 90 saves, has got an ERA, it eh, looks to be probably like two, right here it is, two nine on the ERA. The whip is 0.99. Like you're killing it. And now you're not the closer. <laughs> Josh Hader is the new closer, it appears. So, Ray, what is the value of Ryan Presley? You know, it's not just like he's lost his job. He's lost his job to the best closer in baseball, in effect. Mm -hmm. is Should people draft this guy? How do you handle Ryan Presley, who's been, a, a frankly, a stud for three years, but now the role is, is utterly different? There's a lefty and a righty scenario, which is good for Presley. There's the fact, and we've talked about this a lot, Hater won't go more than an inning. He won't allow coaches to use him that way. Hater is not some, some one of these closers that throws 75 innings, right? So I think that Presley is someone that depends upon, I think, the sharpness, if you will, of your league mates. I think Presley, it's very reasonable to think he can get double-digit saves, you know, because mm -hmm. I think there'll be matchups that they prefer him. There'll be usage patterns that they'll prefer. And if he gets, you know, 11 saves and he gets just 75 strikeouts and, like you're saying, a three ERA and a one whip, like, that's usable. So I think that, you know, for shallow mixed leagues, yeah, but for deeper mixed leagues or even those of you in points leagues, I think that there still should be some interest in Ryan Presley. I, I'm in a league, Ray, with obviously saves, but also holds. I love Presley. I'd take him as a second reliever in a 15-team league in that setup. Uh, right. Your league, sold leagues. Mm -hmm. I mean, he can absolutely be a, a feature there. So, uh, you know, league-specific, if you're only doing saves and it's only 10, 12 teams, maybe not, you know, maybe not a target. But if you're in a holds league, a solds league, if you're going to 15 teams, I think you can even get away with him as a second reliever. Um, I, I kind of like that with Ryan Presley. In terms of newcomers, it's mostly hater. I mean, that's the only thing that's truly notable, I think, for people out there. Also notable with this team, Ray, as I've talked about the history and how strong they have been over the last near decade, their, their uh, minor leagues got nothing. Like, I, I went to MLB, Baseball America, The Athletic Ray. I don't think I found a single Astro in the top 100 anywhere. Um maybe Jacob Melton is the name I most come around, you know, outfielder. So in effect, we don't have to worry about stashing or anything like that. Um, it's a little alarming with the pitching issues. You know, do, they've always been able to find some pitching, you know, to get guys up. Uh, they, they've kind of exhausted the minor leagues at this point. So a bit of a thin line when, when you talk about success and sustaining it. Uh, Ray, we always close it down with a player that you would take a chance on with this team. Who is your guy for the Astros? By the way, for those people that have forgotten, Forrest Whitley uh, was a first-round pick. and I'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I know. 2016, he was supposed to be an SP1. He, he can't even get to the major. Hurt himself again in spring. It's like, geez, man. Um, 
to answer your question, the player that I'm going to take a chance on, and it's it's my old standby. And I, you know, people don't want this guy. They don't like this guy. Uh, give me Alex Bregman. Plays every day. You know, twenty five ninety ninety. Book it. Like I'm taking Alex Bregman, and the price point's not high. Um, I'm going to go along those same lines, right? Because a lot of times, take a chance. It's on. Hey, don't forget about this guy. The guy I'm going to throw here as a first rounder is Kyle Tucker. And I say don't take a chance. We were talking about Tatis. To me, that's a lot more chancy than Kyle Tucker. But I think a lot of people like the idea of Fernando Tatis on their team mm-hmm. over a guy like Kyle Tucker. I think Kyle Tucker, Ray, is is kind of boring to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like he's not treated. He's not maybe not even the best hitter on his team. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Altuve gets more press. Alvarez is more of an MVP candidate. Tucker's just kind of doing his thing. And what he does, I beg of people, look at the numbers. It's it's strong. It's solid. It's across the board. Uh, so don't sleep on Kyle Tucker. That you know, he, he, when you tell your mom your first round pick was Kyle Tucker, she's not going to be excited. Okay, yeah. <laughs> would she be excited by Tatis, Kyle? Is that would your mom? Maybe like, wow. <laughs> she probably, unless it was like uh, you know the Pope. I don't know if she'd be excited <laughs> if it was your first round pick. So. But I'm just saying, Tucker is one of those things. You, I feel like you sometimes have to convince people he's good. Um, don't forget about him. He's fine. He's really good. I think as a first round pick. Uh, now I, I, every time I say, oh, there's safety with that guy, which I want to say with Tucker, I'm reminded I about five years ago said that with Michael Thomas of the saints and he's been a disaster ever since I gave him that tag. So don't follow what I'm saying all the time. Uh, pass on whom Ray flowers. I I said pass on last year and I'm still in that same boat. Jeremy Pena. He's fine. He's fine, but he's just fine. And I'm not really interested in drafting a lot of guys that are just fine. Uh, Verlander for me, passing on Verlander. Um, now I've been passing on him for a number of years and he shoved it in my face, you know, so, but I'm sticking to it. Just like he's, yeah, just like he's going to stick to his guns. I'm going to stick to my guns. We'll see who eventually I'm going to win. Who's going to blank. Retirement comes for all, but, um, I, I just don't make a habit of drafting 40 year olds with achy shoulders how about that that's pretty yeah. fair yeah uh let's see tomorrow who do we got on the docket tomorrow you know off the top of your head ray i'm trying to think houston uh do we have another uh, h there no is i'll it, figure it out in a second I, I, it's just too early for me Maybe it's too angels? early for me to to think kyle i can't yeah. necessarily uh kansas city royals and then the oh angels. don't forget about the royals come on kyle, kyle. Okay, that'd be fun yeah. yeah, so we'll talk uh, Royals coming up tomorrow. Um, MLB Draft Guide, the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. This kind of ties into uh, Christian Javier, kind of ties into Justin Verlander. Uh, Ray, spotlighting ideal age slash performance uh, for starting pitchers. And uh, it used to be for, for eons. Oh, you're 27. That's your prime, mm-hmm. especially for hitters. I, I don't even know if that's true. And maybe you're going to tell me it is, Ray. It feels like all these hitters are 22. You know, they're killing yeah. it. <laughs> But I guess are we still looking at, at 27 or 26? Like, is that ideal for, for hitters and pitchers? Yeah, they're looking at a lot of a lot of the numbers and the data. that's um, coming out. A lot of people writing articles about this because they're still, you know, like Cody Bellinger just signed. Like, why is this guy just signing? A lot of the teams are more willing than ever to give youngsters opportunities, and the youngsters are more adapt, uh, adept at taking advantage of the opportunities than ever before. So a lot of the time, when, by the time the players get to free agency at 27, 28 years old, Teams are like, we're not going to pay you that money because we got this 23-year-old that does the same thing. And the 23-year-old we got doing the same thing is wants $3 million a year and you want 30. So there's a lot of that on offense that the numbers have shifted toward the younger side of things. Interestingly enough, on the pitching side, they might want to do the same thing, but the data kind of says something different. And it's 
slightly counterintuitive. You can see on the on the, the screen there, and in the article over at the website, I've got links if people want to read the studies that I reference. Uh, there really aren't many studies that suggest pitching before 26 is a great idea globally. Not that you can't get Yuri Perez or something, but globally. And there are there's some strong data that suggests, you know, 29 to 34 is kind of <laughs> where you want. We we're just talking about Justin Verlander, right? We've got Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw. Like, there's something to be said for guys that can stick around long enough, Kyle, to figure out how to pitch when they don't have their best stuff, figure out how to pitch even with diminishing stuff. And that that used to be you had the you had the talent. And then years later, you figured it out. Now guys have figured out how to bring the town along just enough that it can still match up on the other end when they have the knowledge of how to pitch. Yeah, I, I think if you pull back and wonder why, because like 29 to 34 seems kind of old, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. and, and I guess what we're getting at, Ray, is the fact that if you've made it to that point, you're still pitching in baseball, you've overcome all the hurdles, and now they're probably turning you loose. Like, what are we saving you for? Now you're good to go 180. So we get these guys who, if you get to that point, and so many don't, you know, so many guys burn out or, you know, they go to the bullpen or they start bouncing around or they just can't pull off 30 starts and 180 innings. But once you've gotten to 29, right, if you're still holding the spot in a rotation, nobody's saying, oh, he's only good for 120. Like you get to that point, Ray, and I think universally everybody's like, yeah, he's, he's our horse. He's our guy who works hard. He's our guy who it's, I shouldn't say work hard. He's our guy who works long. Um, he's our guy who can give us 190 innings. We're not protecting him anymore. And like you see the names at the bottom of your sheet there, Ray, you know, the, these are kind of the, the modern day workhorse, uh, which, you know, Nolan Ryan and Steve Carlton are scoffing at me <laughs> saying that. <laughs> but Kevin Gaussman's a good example, Ray. I mean, right. Gaussman was a high end prospect, mm -hmm. um, never really became anything, burned out, started bouncing around. Um, and then got to an age where it clicked for him or a coach or approach that clicked for him. And now, Ray, it's like you throw him out there and it's like he's going to give us 30 starts. You know, he's going to give us 180 innings. This guy has has gone through the trials and tribulations of being 23, 24, 25. And, and now we just turn him loose. And all those guys, uh, Fermo Valdez, Zach Willer, Aaron Nola. I mean, these are guys that when you maybe the first thing you think about, Ray, honestly, mm -hmm. especially with Nola and Gaussman is like innings. Even though it's not great, but it's kind of the first thing I, I think about with those two guys and others like them. Yeah, and in the article, there are other names. These are just a few from the article. But I think it's it's really it's really interesting to me because I people send all the time, you know, here's my team, here's here's how my draft went. What do you think? And almost universally, when I look at people's pitching staffs, they'll they might have a guy. They, I mean, Wheeler or Gaussman, okay, right? These guys are still SP1 types, but you start talking about, you know, the Marcus Strowmans of the world, people aren't drafting these players. Mm-hmm. And their pitching staff is filled with all these 24-year-olds and these 23-year-olds with great arms that have never done anything, that are coming off three different surgeries. Like, And, it, you know, I think it was important to write this article not because we're breaking any ground or not because anyone can't go look at someone's age, right? Like, this is not, ooh, look at this analysis. But I think it was an important article to, to put out and then discuss here on the show because I think sometimes the perception that, you know, all oh, this pitcher's getting a little bit older, I'm out. Maybe it's right. Maybe there's loss of velocity. Maybe there's loss of movement. Maybe there's loss of durability. Yeah. But at other times, like we're saying here, sometimes the old boring guys, they're not that bad. And getting 31 starts where you know what you're getting, the Chris Bassett's of the world. When you're getting 31 starts and you know what you're getting, there's value to that, at least for me, from my perspective, versus taking all these guys that we don't even know if they can throw 118 innings this year. After hearing you uh, make that statement, Ray, I invite you, come to St. Louis, where we have an entire pitching staff of these guys. <laughs> that and beyond. I mean, it's 
Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Stephen Matz. They're all, it's like 32 to 37. So maybe but they're too far. They're, they're past the ideal target. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. If we're actually looking at the 29 to 34, you only have one pitcher that qualifies. Stephen <laughs> yeah. Matz. They're all older than 34, which is pretty And Stephen Matz blows up my argument that, hey, if you're still pitching in a rotation at 34, you're a horse. I mean, my yeah. God. Uh, well, kind of. Stephen Matz, far from a horse. He is the exception. Every rule has an exception. And Stephen Matz is that rule. Um it's just a wild pitching staff. It's That's, it's pretty. It's 34, 36, 36, 37. It's pretty wild, Kyle. <laughs> it's pretty different. Pretty different. Uh, check out more on that column, Ideal Age, Performance, Pitchers and Hitters. You can find it in the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. Uh, quickly on baseball, a couple of things from spring training. Um, Evan Carter might have seen he got hit in the forearm. No fracture, which is great news. Uh, probably a pretty significant bruise. Might sit down, wear a pad, or you know, what would you call a protector on that forearm? But uh, news pretty good there. Uh, Kota Singa, who we talked about last week, uh, got a PRP injection, no pitching at all, no throwing for three weeks. So that kind of gives you an idea of uh, the hope with the Mets. Chris Sale will make his debut tomorrow for Atlanta. Actually, a lot of guys on Tuesday are making their debut. Uh, let's see. Um, Nate Pearson, remember him? I saw this over the weekend, right? It was ugly. He got two outs. Yeah, gave up two homers and four runs, and and that's one of those guys who like literally like for three years, four years maybe. Oh, I get Nate Pearson up here. Let's see Nate Pearson. It's just a guy who's never found a spot, found a role, found success. He's he's not awful. Maybe it could still happen, but it's like one of those reminders that uh, great pitchers are not always great pitchers when it's all said and done. Six six two fifty throws ninety nine miles an hour. Like that's and he and there were legitimate scouts that compared him to Nolan Ryan. Like they were like, this is and he just can't stay healthy. And he's 27 now. It's like, geez, he's 27. This is the the Michael Kopech Force Whitley thing. It's like I, I think I still have hope that Pearson emerges as a bullpen ace, but as a bullpen ace, you know, he was supposed to be an SP1 at the big league level. So obviously we have to change our expectations. Cutter Crawford, uh, Red Sox are saying he's in the early lead to land a spot in the rotation, probably as a fourth starter there. So uh, plan accordingly or watch accordingly when Crawford is towing the rubber. And then I saw something right over the weekend, Marcelo Zuna, who had a massive, massive 2023 first base time, it sounded like, with the Atlanta Braves. And hey, it happens to all of us. Eventually, you're, you're a lousy left fielder for 10 years. Why not make you a lousy first baseman, I guess? <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a lousy DH. I don't think they're even going to give him a glove. Yeah. Uh, we have Matt Olson, obviously. But, yeah, it's it, the, <laughs> that is something that a guy like Azuna should be working on to try to add some versatility because, you know, you're what is he? I'm uh, 33 years old. Like, you're locked in at DH. Yeah. Give yourself some versatility. They don't want to put him in the outfield. Well, he's held off longer than Miguel Sano ever did, you know, so give him credit on that front. But Miguel Sano, did you see Miguel Sano just claimed? Did you see the report over the weekend? Uh-uh. He lost 57 pounds to get in baseball shape. What, was he at 350? Like what? He, he was a huge dude anyway, but you lost 57. And another guy, Pablo Sandoval, he, yeah. Yeah, Pablo Sandoval, okay, his career. Pablo Sandoval is built like me now. Like go check out Pablo Sandoval. He lost, he lost a person. <laughs> So it can happen, but yeah. Yeah, but it, it, like, I, does he have a shot of making this team, Ray, or is this 30, just PR? He's 37. Could he make it as the last guy? Everyone loves him. He's got an infectious attitude. I bet he can still hit. You know, I bet he could. Ugh. But the oh. if, if he does, it's just a condemnation of the Giants not being able to do enough to bolster it, their team. It's like one of those things, Ray. It's like we, we have 37 Pablo Sandoval or 
Marco Luciano. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they signed Nick Ahmed today, though. I mean, it's like this yeah. is the Giants in 2024. I don't I know. Yeah. Uh, quickly, some football before we sign off and get out of here on a Monday. Uh, we mentioned the NFL Combine. I think it's like two weeks away, maybe two, three weeks away in Indianapolis. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the hot shot receiver, Ohio State, probably a top three pick. Caleb Williams, probably a top one or two pick. Uh, Jalen Daniels, who won the Heisman Trophy, uh, probably a top 10 to 12 pick. Uh, none of those guys, Ray, are really – they might be there for measurements, but they're not going to do anything. And they might not even come to Indianapolis. Uh, and and that that will just be the way it becomes. It's it's going to become a combine, Ray, where it's it's like the senior bowl. It's guys mm-hmm. who need to make an impact and, and rise up a board. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, I, I don't plan my year around the combine, so it doesn't really bother me. But, you know, for what the combine is and what the NFL has now built it up to be, remember, they've turned this into an event, Ray. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sucks that the big names may not be there because they don't want to be there. Well, and, I, and I, this has been my issue for years. You know that. People that have been with us for a long time know what I'm about to say. Like, why does a guy running around in his underwear matter? I, I, I just, for the life of me, I don't understand how things that don't matter matter so much. Well, I don't it's a care. speed component thing. I it's guess, good. but you can't watch the guy on film. Like, there's the old stories of Jerry Rice. I, Jerry Rice ran a 4 five, 5 or whatever. No one in the history of the universe ever caught Jerry Rice when he got a, got a step on him. Never happened. So, can you play football? Can you read a block? Can you break? Can you break a tackle? Like, I don't, great, you can jump forty inch vert and you can do the cone drill. Okay, but you can't pick that up on film. That's the thing mm-hmm. that freaks me out. These people spend six months studying film, and they need two hours from a dude jumping around in a gym somewhere to, to decide whether he's worth drafting. And I don't know about that. Uh, reports out of Cincinnati say the Bengals plan to franchise tag T Higgins. Last week, the Colts. It was kind of reported they're going to do the same with Michael Pittman. So couple of uh, possible free agents, not going to be free agents, it sounds like, with the tag. Uh, the NFL salary cap, I think we brought this up last week. There was a report, oh, it's going to get to like 243, which was a jump at 20 million or so. Now, Ray, they're saying 255. So salary cap issues, don't worry. Here's an extra $30 million of space. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this is why we're going to Spain, guys. Yeah, yeah it's, they, they make a lot of money, Kyle. I mean, gosh, five years from now, we're going to be $350 million on a salary cap. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Eric Bieniemy is now going to be an offensive coordinator at UCLA. Ray, that was quick, man. I mean, guy like, oh, what a brilliant offensive mind. Going to be a head coach in the NFL. Now he's the OC at UCLA, which I'm not, you know, beautiful weather. And I'm sure he's going to have a nice living and all that. But I don't think that was in the that was not the plan for Eric Bieniemy, was it? Yeah, 13 months ago, he was going to be the next NFL head coach. Yeah. Like just that. And that, you know. Thanks, Sam Howell. I don't know, but that's, you know, <laughs> he toileted in 13 months. That That's a pretty surprising fall for someone that didn't have some big issue, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's significant, Kyle. Yeah, I, and I guess they expected him to be a mastermind with the commanders and flip everything around. I, they were fine for what he had. <laughs> I guess they weren't good. Maybe they could have been better, but just kind of sudden. Meanwhile, Arthur Smith is still an offensive Oh, coordinator geez, don't do that, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. I think I might rather be Eric Bieniemy than Arthur Smith, honestly. L.A., good living and making good money. Can, hey, it's not the worst thing in the world to be a football head coach in, in the college ranks. You can do that. Um, okay, that'll do it for us. Uh, tomorrow, more outfielders. Tomorrow, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, what else do we got tomorrow? Ray, we'll have another column that we'll spotlight. Later in the week, we are going to – Ray's been doing Twitter polls over at the Ray Flowers. 
Um, been doing those for the past few weeks. Uh, we're going to spotlight some of the results of those Twitter polls. Kind of deals with um, how fantasy baseball is shaping up for you, uh, the consumer. You know, what you guys are used to. Uh, Ray does this a lot every preseason, so we'll spotlight a few of those results coming up later in the week. Uh, tomorrow, probably Justin Finsterman as well for some basketball. So, Ray, that is that, and uh, we will bid you adieu, my man. It's a lot of fun, Kyle, and I look forward to doing it all again tomorrow. Absolutely. He is Ray Flowers. I am Kyle Alpring. Big thank you to all of you out there. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.